Hi, Paul. Hey, Dean. We're we're back on. Okay. So I guess I Nolan, I've sent the invite. I told him I've sent the invite. So let's just go ahead and get started, and he can just join us as go. You take the lead, bud. All right. So, all right. Well, uh, you know, hey, everybody, uh, welcome to a very special edition of uh, a two four seven Hawkeye production of, of this podcast. Uh, you know, this is Tall Paul. I'm here with uh, our good buddy, my good buddy Dean. Uh, Dean, how are you this morning? I'm doing very good, thank you. It's a beautiful, gorgeous morning here in California. How about in Florida? You know, it's it's a little warm outside, but uh, overall, I'd say it's it's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, I'm hoping for a little fall weather to uh, set set in at some point. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, but everybody, you know, we, we've got a little bit of an agenda today, so I wanted to kind of let everybody in on what we're going to do here. Um, uh, of course, uh, Dean and I we went Facebook Live uh, a couple nights ago, um, but we're going to talk a very little bit about the uh, eight, eight player lawsuit. Um, Ed Miles came out and, uh, you know, he, he had Kirk Ferentz's back. So we want to talk a little bit about what Ed Miles had to say. I want to talk about the timing of the release and uh, how it may impact recruiting and uh, on and off the field performance. Uh, I want to, you know, it's it's game week, right? It's game week. So we want to talk a little Purdue, Coach Brom, uh, and uh, him not playing. And uh, then we have, I have a little Big Ten news to talk about to wrap things up. All right? Hey, that sounds wonderful, bud. Let's get right. to it. Let's Yeah, let's – there's no time like the present, so – uh, mm -hmm. obviously kind of the, the biggest news, uh, if we want to call it that, uh, around Iowa football right now, um, is the, uh, the eight former players that have banded together. Um, they are, uh, holding, uh, university of Iowa football program hostage. That's what I call it. When you make demands such as we want $20 million <laughs> and everybody mm -hmm. fired, uh, the, those, that, that's the sound of. Uh, of hostage takers to me that you know uh well that's... we're here and we're recording with dean instead of on the big ass <laughs> podcast but hopefully we make it work folks <laughs> <laughs> welcome nolan welcome. <laughs> okay. so uh so we'll go ahead and get this kind of restarted here we'll just reset now that nolan is here uh, nolan it's good to hear from you man it's good to hear uh, you guys, your guys' voice too. Um, I was just actually kind of brushing my teeth, so go ahead and continue, <laughs> and then I'll pop back in. All right, All right. cool. So, uh, so by now, everybody I think knows uh, about the lawsuit or or the the pending potential lawsuit from the from the eight players, um, the eight former disgruntled players, and. Uh, uh, Dean, what, what are your thoughts specifically on on any of the demands or, or you know, what are your thoughts, period? Well, honestly, I, I want to call it bogus, but I got trouble yesterday on, on uh, Facebook when I called this a bogus bunch of lies. And um, so we know that this was about a money grab, but. His, their lawyer came out yesterday and said he was a little disappointed that everybody was calling us a money grab because he says it's not about the money grab. <laughs> what do you guys think about that one? Well, I'm not sure what, what else that lawyer can say. I mean, uh, yeah. 
short of saying, look, I, I, I drive around chasing ambulances all day. This isn't a money grab, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the other, the other thing that, that, that bothers me is, um, these guys, Oh, I forgot my train of thought there for a second. Um, but, <laughs> I do that once Here's in a the while. Problem, guys, is that these guys, and I'm just going to jump, I'm sorry, guys, for just jumping right in, but yeah. well, it's just, it's, it, uh, I mean, it's it like double really here, so, bothers you know. me. Um, that Iowa fans mostly are having a problem with is there are so many fans who have bought memorabilia from players with signed autographs that are not it's not like a picture of Kevante Martin Manley with you know with his girlfriend mm -hmm. it's a picture with him wearing an Iowa jersey in the touch in the end zone on if, Kinnick Stadium if you even got your autograph stuff if you even got your autograph stuff and that's what makes people upset is you're suing the very school that that we all know you are absolutely profiting off of or have profited off of. And in other words, nobody would want your signed pictures if you didn't have the Iowa jersey on your chest, Cavante. That's the frustrating part. Go ahead, Paul. I mean, Dean, whatever your train of thought was. No, go ahead. You guys go ahead and go. I'll, I, I'll jump back in when my train of thought comes back. <laughs> well, that could be, be a while. No, I'm joking. Um, we'll, we'll be all right. Well, I can tell you where um, my, my absolute yeah, go ahead, Paul. from all of this lies. Uh, and, and that's definitely part of it. Uh, but for me, it's it's the source and what, what has happened. So, you know, at the genesis of this. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, when, 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 when all of these things, when, when, when the – the George Floyd happened and, and, you know, uh, it, it, the, these things started coming out uh, former players started speaking out. It, it was with good intentions, right? Uh, it, it wasn't that they wanted to was see it though? Iowa football. I don't even think they wanted coach Doyle fired. What they wanted was some positive changes that, that, that there's an outside view of the Hawkeye football program. There may have been some things on the inside that, that needed tweaked, needed adjusted so that it, the program could be more successful. Um, I don't even believe that now anymore after the investigation, but go ahead, continue. And I'll, I'll comment to your, what you're saying. Well, I think that was their intent. When you, we're talking about former players like James Daniels, uh, who, who is a successful starting offensive lineman in the NFL uh, right. You know, uh, I, I, yeah, that's a good point. He, he had good intentions to say, Hey, Iowa football is, is great. I, I came there. I got an education. I right. got drafted. Uh, you know, I I'm successful because of the time I spent in Iowa city that includes right. the time he spent, you know, working under coach Doyle in strength and conditioning. Does that mean that everything was, you know, sunshine and rainbows and, and, you know, couldn't be, couldn't be perfected. No, not necessarily. You know, so I. Think it'll, but it'll never be perfected, and we both know that. Of course not. And, and but you're right. I totally agree with the with a guy like James Daniels who wanted to make things better. I agree with that a hundred percent. But the problem is, is that there was no critical thought about the end game, mm -hmm. of how far this could go. 
how much weight your word, aka James James Daniel, carries. Right. Um, and so when that happened, you also had these players looking for someone to blame classic millennial stuff instead of looking in the mirror, looking at the community they grew up in to see if they could go back and help their community, things like that. And they looked for the biggest thing that they could grab onto and sink their teeth into. And it was the university of Iowa. And so what you had happen is you had the, 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 main guys who knew that this would be profitable from the very get-go, from the very get-go. And I said that as soon as this started. They knew it would be profitable. And then you had guys like George Kittle and other guys who just wanted to support their fellow teammates that's it. that they went to war with. And that's all that was. And in the investigation, we didn't find out that the Hawkeye program was, 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 was bad or that there was any racial animosity. What we found out at the very worst is that maybe the Iowa coaching staff coaches a little too hard. That's it. <laughs> That's the worst thing we found in that investigation. And I will, and hey, I got, I got, yeah. I want to interject something real quick. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll jump in because um, I have a thought that I think needs put out there too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, let's, let's keep in mind. The, <laughs> the original guys who, brought forth this these complaints and wanted change they're not part of the eight these are the eight guys who came along a couple of weeks later and started spilling their beans through that other loudmouth lawyer that they had mm -hmm. right you know these are Which, the, these are the stories he put out later and none of these guys came out and asked for change or anything which now is spitting in their faces because the change that they wanted to create on the University of Iowa's campus is now created. And now you have Kevontae Martin Manley and Akram Wadley doing what they're doing, which is spitting in their brothers' faces by saying, nope, we're still going to sue the University of Iowa, drag Iowa through the mud despite the changes being made. And that, to me, is disgusting. And it bothers me to no end. Absolutely, guys. And, and then here's this the, the, this part of it, too. You're dragging your fellow brothers through this mud with you as, as you do. Yeah, this. that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah. Because they're guys, we, 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 uh, I know, Nolan, you went off on this over the summer. Uh, we, we talked about guys like Adrian Claiborne, who you could tell at the time had zero interest in going along with this. <laughs> right but, yeah you know, good point when they come out and so they can't they couldn't come out and support a kirk Ferentz because they were you know uh, and, and and they they're black men they can't do it yeah you're right they have to yeah. stick you know now they're being they're being forced they have to, to stick to the train of thought of black men or else they'll be called uncle toms and things like that yep you're right yep I mean, I got you. I'm with you. And so, to me, that's that's disgusting, and 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 un, you know, but lo and behold, we do have uh, we have a shining star. We we have a a, a, a night. We do. Us. Before you get into that, I want to I want to give two examples real quick of why the decommitment Jordan Oladukin is just making such an awful, misguided mistake decommitting from Iowa, and I and Phil Parker will find his DB and be just fine, and he'll, he'll turn him into a star. Let me give you two examples that Iowa cares more about talent than the color of somebody's skin, okay? Number one, Dane Belton, 
is starting as a freshman. He's black. How often do players start as a freshman, black, white, or otherwise? Only when they're good enough. Only when they're good enough. Riley Moss is a starting corner. How often do white guys start at corner? Only when they're good enough. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, Big mistake, Jordan Oladukin. Big mistake, bud. I, but anyways, go I, ahead. I, the, uh, go ahead, Paul. Bring up the shining well, light. Before we do that, I, I do want to bring up one of the one of the eight is uh, former linebacker Reggie Spearman. And uh, <laughs> I love it. He's a good he's, guy. Yeah, and, and Reggie, you know, Re- Reggie, uh, he got beat out by uh, another guy uh, un- un- under-recruited, uh, Josie Jewell, who, you know, the Big Ten Network had as uh, as one of the top linebackers of the decade in the Big Ten. Uh, yep, and ranked – I ranked Josie Jewell, I think, seventh on my top 20 Kirk Ferentz list. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, for these guys to say, oh, well, you know, it, it was systemic racism and – uh, we were the more talented players and, and whatever. Okay, well, Reggie, what NFL team do you play on? Because I, 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 uh, Josie Jewell absolutely was the better football player, and that's what you know. That's what this was all about uh, since 1999. Is Kirk trying to find the right. best 22 guys that are going to give him the best chance to win on Saturday? Right, and 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 let's talk about this systemic racism thing. Okay, I've said this probably three times now. And, Paul, you know this 100%. And and we're only going to talk about this for one podcast and one podcast only, and then we're going to go forward uh, with Purdue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're going to do Purdue on this podcast too. But um, is systemic racism, okay, if we're being honest here, the the left side of America – controls the school systems, controls the academies, controls Hollywood, and controls the media. So if there's systemic racism, whose fault is it? It's true. Just that, and I'm not asking Dean or Paul to answer. I'm asking fans to answer that who listen to this. So just a thought for you guys to think about, because just like when the investigation was going on, when I ha- when I wrote the 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 big time article about uh, questions that the media should be asking, you know, why recruiting is going so good, why guys like James Daniels uh, still committed to Iowa, why Amir Smith Marset committed to Iowa, why uh, Iowa goes to inner cities and and it, it recruits some of the toughest uh, neighborhoods and, and, and turns them into great men. Those, those types of questions. Uh, why does Iowa have so many guys in the NFL, black and white, uh, if they're so racist? Uh, and, and we were the only ones willing to ask that. But go ahead, yeah. Paul. So, um, so, yeah, so we're kind of mo- moving along here a little bit to, to our shining star, uh, former Iowa linebacker Ed Miles. Uh, for, for those of you guys who may not remember Ed, Ed was a linebacker uh, circa 2003, 2004, 2005. He, he was the third linebacker with uh, Chad Greenway and Abdul Hodge. No wonder, no, yeah, no wonder he, he gets lost in the shuffle. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, he was – I mean, uh, by the way, guys, just a side note, that uh, the Chad Greenway, Abdul Hodge, and um, what's this guy's name Ed again? Miles? It, it was before my time. What Ed Miles? 
that linebacking group, Josie Jewell, Ben Neiman, and Bo Bauer, and Christian Kirksey, uh, Anthony Hitchens, and James Morris are probably the three best linebacking groups. But I don't think we're going to see uh, linebacking groups like that again. Uh, and I'll get to that with Dane Belton later in this podcast. Right, Go so ahead. A little known fact before we really get into what Ed Miles said. So Ed Miles was a uh, pull up his staff he was a four-star linebacker recruit from uh, from here in Florida. Uh, t- went to Tallahassee, uh, Tallahassee Lincoln, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. so- Maybe you can talk some sense into Jordan Oladukin, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know, Dolan. I saw your post yesterday. I think you tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I did go after the kid. He's 18. Uh, I think 18 is fair. And if you want to, quote, unquote, change the world, I think if you do want to change the world and you're willing to speak politically, I think it's fair game so, so to go comes after out and he's got to go towards anyway. Yeah, go media, talk about that. Uh, where he said, you know, basically, uh, I can't speak for anybody else's experience. At, well, but during my four years, five years at the University of Iowa, I experienced exactly zero racism zero and uh what he also what he was able to come out and say was uh that what iowa did was hold guys accountable we talked about this we've written about this on 247hawkeye.com right uh that coaching hard you know when guys screwed up they paid a penalty they paid the price and and skin color didn't matter it was about following the rules it was about discipline it was about accountability do you guys have thoughts uh go ahead dean yeah go ahead and then i'll and then i'll go um my thought is is bravo for him i want to see the other former players come out in support of kirk too you know this is just the whole thing was ridiculous, and it just goes to show that Kirk doesn't have a racist bone in his body. If he did, he'd have an all-white team. And an all-white coaching staff, um, which is another thing, a question I asked. Why did, Why does Iowa have uh, more than half their coaching staff uh, black if they're such a racist program? Um, I Listen, Dean, I totally agree with you. Um, I hope more players uh, come forward. I, I, I'm sorry. I keep blanking on his name. It's Ed what? Miles. Miles. Ed Miles. Um, but the problem is this, is guys like C.J. Beathard, guys like, um, you know, uh, the, the Adrian Claibornes who actually feel a certain way but feel they have to say something else, um, you know, the Josie Jewels, they aren't going to come forward because they know that they they know the lash the 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 that they're going to get a lot of hate back uh, from people saying, uh, you know, if you're not for us, then you're against us. Uh, you know, by saying Kirk Ferentz is not racist, Therefore, you don't uh, support BLM. Well, the thing is, half of America doesn't support BLM. But that doesn't also just because Josie Jewell, or and I'm not saying Josie Jewell does this, but j- let's just say Josie Jewell came out and supported Kirk Ferentz. If Josie Jewell did that, uh, it it would not. Uh, people would go after him and say, 
that he is not for his fellow teammates in the in what in the cause that they're trying to push forward and things like that. And it's just that the, the atmosphere is just too strong. Now, older players, I think, can do it. Like the two that like Chad Greenway, like um, you know, the Robert Gallery, those guys, not recent players. Older players, I think, sh- uh, should ha- have had enough separation from the program to, uh, and they are old enough now to reasonably reflect on the program and come out and say truthfully what they believe about the Iowa Hawkeye program. But I do not think we're going to see it from from recent players just because uh, they're afraid of the lashback that they're going to get from from, uh, their teammates and from uh, the mob. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. I think what's disappointing is to find out that that the people who are backing these eight players think that something actually happened, you know? And, and I think what we all agree on is we probably think it's more hard coaching and not following the rules and, you know, being trying to be held accountable. And these guys, feelings were hurt. And six of the, six of the um, eight, you know, didn't get a lot of playing time. So they eventually left I, every one of those guys, except for the two, left Iowa before their senior season, or they left as a, as a, with some eligibility left and went into the transfer portal. So. Right. Right. Anyhow. Um, no, I agree. Listen, I agree. I totally agree with that, Dean. And, uh, you know, uh, as far as Akram Wadley goes, you know, uh, we talked about it yesterday, you know, um, Chad Lysico finally did something good by saying all the, the the all the leeway that the University of Iowa gave him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave him so much leeway, asking him to gain weight. He didn't do it over and over and over again to help him get into the NFL. Um, and he didn't do it. And this is classic millennial uh, behavior, not looking yourself in the mirror, instead looking for others to blame, um, and you know what, my personal story with Cavante and, uh, you know, um, again, I've already, uh, spoke to you guys about this. The bottom line is, uh, when I worked with him, there was not a single bad thing he had to say about the university of Iowa. In fact, he had bad things to say about other programs about, you know, money being exchanged and things like that. Not a single bad thing about the University of Iowa. Not one thing. And I worked with him for a year. And so, um, and then also, plain and simply, you know, whether people want to believe it or not, uh, the guy owes me money, plain and simple. Uh, And so um, it it, it breaks my heart. And uh, it, it, um, it, especially since I promoted his clothing line big time, uh, and now it just, it, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. Uh, there's so many different words I could use disappointing. It frustrates me. Um, you know, Iowa gave him a chance. Uh, he, Iowa was the only big 10 school to give him a chance. Same with Akram Wadley. And now 
because they're not they things didn't work out with them with their clothing lines with with or or the NFL in Akron Wadley's case, they want to point the finger somewhere else rather than at themselves. And that's my biggest problem. Paul, are you still with us? I haven't heard you for a while. Paul's still connected. I, I can't hear. I Yeah. Okay, so somehow my mic got muted. I apologize for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about the, what do you guys think about the timing of all of this? You know, they had this, you know, this goes back months. Oh, this was purposeful. A hundred percent. This was purposeful. Right before the season, this was purposeful to get Iowa in a, uh, this was meant to get Iowa in a vulnerable spot right before the season started um, because they could have done this last week. They could have done it the week before. They purposely did this during the first game week of the Iowa Hawkeye season. Okay, hey, can I, I need to interject something here before we get going too far on this. The letter that they sent to the university was dated October 4th. University of Iowa chose to, to make this and their response available on game week. So we got to put that one on the University of Iowa. Their their timing sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? If that's correct, you're right, then it is Iowa's fault. Uh their timing does suck. Uh they they could have done it sooner, but you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, it's actually I actually feel good. I, I wish they would have waited maybe one more get, w- for Iowa to play Purdue, um, just to have a win under Iowa's belt, uh, because winning cures all. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if it's actually not that bad if the, if it's true that Iowa was the one that put this out uh, and um, this was put forth before. Uh, f- by the eight players before this week um, because, in my opinion, strategically for Iowa, Iowa can now go into the game week, uh, respond to this, get this behind them, and then really get going for the season. And then uh, this will just become white noise as Iowa wins and lose it, possibly loses tough tough games, but I don't suspect Iowa losing very many games this season. And I think that's the perfect segue because uh, you brought up Purdue and it's game week. Let's, uh, you know, let's celebrate everybody. Woohoo! Uh, yes! It is. It's game week, baby. We worked hard for it. We worked hard for it. I campaigned big time for it. And and, and I want to thank, uh, thank both you guys uh, because you guys were there with me. Uh, we fought tooth and nail for this. Uh, as well as, and also just backtracking a little bit, the investigation. We stayed impartial. We stayed true to the facts, the the, the truth, uh, and that's why I always say that two four seven Hawkeye dot com uh, is all about being smart, original, fu- funny, and authentic. And that's what we're going to continue to do. By the way, guys. Uh, listeners that listen to this, go to 247hawkeye.com. Just a little plug there. We should have done that at the beginning of the show, but it's all right. Um, go ahead. All right. So uh, the news of the week went, you know, uh, as we actually shift toward uh, what's happening on the field, uh, is Coach uh, Coach Jeff Brom 
uh, over at Purdue uh, has apparently uh, tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, thoughts and prayers are with him, and, and we, we hope for a speedy recovery, a full recovery to him. Um, Amen, yep. And uh, Nolan, you are a, a former D1 athlete. Uh, you, yeah. you know, it wasn't football, but that, do- that doesn't matter, uh, at least not to me so much. What matters to me is you've got – real world experience with this tell me uh what what impact do you think not having coach Brom on the sideline what what could what what, what role does the head coach play in a situation like this or in general this this will be a massive impact um if he is not on the sidelines uh now if Purdue has an assistant coach that is secretly, uh, uh, you know, a very good coach in hiding that will eventually become uh, a fantastic coach, then maybe Iowa's in trouble. But, um, well, Jeff Brom will be with Purdue just like Nick Saban was uh, all throughout the week on Zoom and all of okay, that. Well, let me, uh, as far as, let, the, me, let me jump go in ahead. So Jeff's brother Brian is going to uh, is going to be the head coach for the game, and okay. uh, you know, we we've talked about this a little bit. But uh, Purdue's defensive coordinator is none other than former Hawkeye uh, football player um, Bob Diaco. Bob Diaco, uh, yeah, and uh, who played under Hayden Fry back in the nineties, played alongside Ver- Vernon Rollins. Anyway, uh, so and Di- Diaco is a, a former D one football coach a head football coach at UConn um right and I believe he he spent some time as defensive coordinator I want to say at Notre Dame or it, it was a, a Midwest school it was, yeah I don't remember where he, he was D coordinator at before being head coach at UConn but how this is going to affect Purdue is this is Purdue's going to have a game plan every whatever team sport it is every uh, sport has a game plan there are certain schools that if their head coach is not on the sideline, uh, it, the, the, it, put it this way, if Kirk Ferentz was not on the sideline uh, for this game, uh, us Iowa fans would, would feel okay because we know how good this Iowa coaching staff is. But for Vegas, it would drop the, co- the, the line back to probably even. Uh, as as opposed to a three point favorite for the Hawkeyes, to you know two two point two to three point favorite, um, where it's going to make the biggest difference is situational football, and Iowa is big time in situational football, and that's going to make the biggest difference is Jeff Brom. Two things: number one, um, uh, psychologically for the Purdue players. It can go one of two ways. They can, one, either really, really, really want to win for their coach, or two, it can lower their uh, how confident they feel going into the game. Um, the other thing is, again, situational football. Uh, Brom won't be there, and I would be shocked if his brother has the guts to make certain calls that need to be made and if we're talking situational football, Kirk Ferentz is one of the best in the biz. And so um, this is a major, major uh, thing for Purdue. Uh, this is not good, it, plain and simple. Uh, if my head coach is not on the sidelines, uh, we we would be in trouble. Okay. 
because situational, uh, situationally, things do matter within the context of a game because you have game plans, but things never go according to the exact game. Plan. Here's my thought on that. Um, the his, the brother is the offensive coordinator. Okay. So I think he's the head coach because that means Purdue's going to put more thought and process and plays into their offense. And if they need a final drive to win the game, you know, they've got the, they got the brother calling the plays at the end of the game offensively because he's going to call them anyway during the game. And so I don't, I don't see that as a huge difference, but, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I mean, ultimately, the co- the head coach makes the call for situational things. Mm-hmm. Like, do we go for it on fourth? Mm-hmm. Do we kick the field goal? Do we onside kick? Do we uh, – those types of things. And those things do matter. They play a big part in every football game. Uh, I mean, how many times has – one or two plays made the difference uh, between Iowa and Wisconsin in situational football. True, true. I'll give what, you that. What, what kind of impact could, uh, and this is just a question, but so you're trying to call plays and, and put together uh, drives, things like that. Meanwhile, you're also having the responsibilities that you just talked about, Nolan, of, of having to question. you know make yeah. split decisions at the same time. That could be an awful lot on, on his plate. I'm I'm genuinely surprised having a former head coach on the staff that that they didn't have uh, Bob Diaco, uh, you know, as the uh, as the sit-in as the sit-in coach. Yeah, um, hey guys, um, I, I I go with all that, but do you think I think Brom will be on the sidelines via cell phone and earplugs? <laughs> He's going to be in his brother's. Maybe we'll see. I I don't know if that's allowed, but we'll see. Okay, I don't know. If- uh, I, I don't think that's allowed, but go, but ask your question, Paul. Uh, well, uh, that was that really was the question. What uh, was just that? It does it does it really surprise you guys that they for they they chose to forego the coach on the staff with head coaching experience at that level for for you know because if this was at the University of Iowa, if the rules were reversed and they made Brian the the stand-in head coach. Uh, you know, we certainly know there'd be a loud segment of the of the fan base yelling nepotism again, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, but I believe something like this had happened in the past. And uh, Phil Parker, I want to say it was Phil Parker did step in because I forget what happened. Something no, like I don't I don't remember that happening. But but uh, the question I thought you were going to ask was. Uh, how big of an impact it is for a offensive coordinator to be uh, to become a head coach uh, for one game, mm-hmm. and it's a huge impact. Yeah, uh, because you're at one end, you can be a great offensive coordinator calling plays in the booth. Now you have to be on the sideline making calls uh, offensively and making situational calls which then makes it that much more difficult. And I've made this point before. Some offensive coordinators are great offensive coordinators, but not good head coaches. Some head coaches are great head coaches, but not great defensive coordinators or great offensive coordinators. So, um, you know, I I think that this does spell trouble for Purdue. I, I really do. As far as Bob Diaco goes, 
I think the smart move would have been to give Bob the nod as he was, uh, has been a head coach before, and he knows the, the University of Iowa. As it is, you know, here we are, uh, you know, a couple of days into to game week. Purdue has said they're not even going to name a starting quarterback until until game day. Like they, they, oh. they honestly don't know who is going to uh, be their guy. They don't. Okay, Paul. Paul, let me interrupt you there. I read an article where they do know who the um, starting quarterback is. They're just not telling the public until game time. Ah, yes, yeah, okay. same here. Uh, they know who their guy is, but it's it's either going to be O'Donnell or it's going to be Plum. Either way, or Plum or whatever his name is. Either way, uh, I feel good with 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 Iowa being able to have four weeks to prepare for for Purdue. Um, Purdue is a tough team to prepare for within a one week span, but with four weeks, I think they will be okay. Uh, Iowa will just like a bull. It's kind of like a bowl game type thing. Iowa usually always is very prepared for, uh, if you give them four weeks to prepare, um, it, wh- whether the team is better than them or, uh, you know, the same, I mean, go back to the Mississippi state game. Uh, Mississippi State was on paper better than Iowa, but Iowa had time to prepare for them, and they put together a game plan to beat them. And so, um, and Purdue's not Mississippi State, guys. I mean, let's just be honest. No, they're not. Um, so, I I feel very good about that. Yeah. So, uh, moving on here from from that a little bit, there has. It's They're- probably going to be Plummer, guys. Just uh, who, who do you guys think it's going to be? Plum, because he shredded Iowa last year. Even yeah. though they didn't get the win, he shredded them pretty good. So, oh, and, you know, the good news is Iowa does have some film on him. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain, like Nolan said, look, they're going to be ready. Um, the, some, some news came out, uh, Big Ten news. So if there's been a team hit harder uh, – before the season has actually even kicked off in the Big Ten, it, I, I don't know that there's one that's been harder hit than Penn State. Uh, they already lost their all-world linebacker who who's, you know said he's not playing. Now they've lost uh, Journey Brown, their starting running back. And uh, yeah, he was probably one of the top three, four backs in the Big Ten. He, he, he's right up there with the best of them. Sure. Would they say an undisclosed illness not related to COVID? Correct. It was something that they actually discovered uh, mm-hmm. that he, a condition that he has. So it's a medical condition that's going to prevent mm-hmm. him from playing uh, until mm-hmm. they get it figured out or straightened out. So. Oh, that's too bad. Really, it is. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I want every team at the full at their full strength. Um, I always want that so that, you know, the best Iowa team can beat the best, you know, Penn State team or Wisconsin team. But that is the nature of this sport, Mm -hmm. and it is what it is. Of course, you know, it's too bad. We never want that to happen. Um, I'm just nipping at the bud on this this real quick. With the depth chart, real quick, Dane Belton, I told you guys this before. Dane Belton is going to play cash and strong safety, which I don't think we've seen before, which will allow Iowa to use in previous years. Think about it. Micah Hyde, uh, Desmond King in his senior year. 
Think if Desmond King in his senior year could have played the cast position as well as playing outside, which would have allowed him to, to be on the field all the time making plays. This, to me, shows how, how dang good Dane Belton is, and it's going to allow him to fly all around the field making plays. And Iowa, Phil Parker, must feel good about the backup uh, Dane Belton has behind him at strong safety uh, when Dane Belton comes down to the box to play cash. What do you guys think? Um, I think it's great. I mean, both those positions, one's a linebacker position and one's a DB position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one's a DB slot. One is a DB slot linebacker position, yes. Yeah, and so I, and I remember I said uh, one long time ago, is I kind of think those positions are interchangeable, and sometimes during a game I think that, that that could happen, and and so right. Belton actually getting to play both spots tells me just like you, it tells me a lot about who this young man is, and he's not a true freshman. I think he's a redshirt freshman, but he's still getting on the field for the first time. No, he's a he's a true sophomore, Dean. Is he okay? Okay, I messed that one up. Never yeah, mind. <laughs> he, he uh he played uh last year. Okay. Uh, it was DJ Johnson, uh, but Iowa went away from that last year and Dane Belton just just absolutely flew onto the scene and uh and uh again it just shows how talented he is and it shows another uh wrinkle in Iowa's defense in that they are um they are using their top their top DB or their most versatile DB and getting the most out of them which I absolutely love. I think that is fantastic, and that's a great wrinkle on the part of Phil Parker. Okay. I don't know if you noticed, but we lost Paul. I'm not sure what happened there. That's all right. We can finish this out. Um, Dean, what what did you think about uh, the depth chart that was released? Uh, Any – I'm going to pull up the depth chart here um, and uh, so we can talk about it. A um, lot of people messaging me about the about the uh, about the you know eight player thing, um, which I find you know interesting. Uh, but I think this is where we're we're, we're going to leave it. Um, was there anything that you saw in the depth chart uh, that uh, that that surprised you? Um, Welcome or back, anything Paul. like that? We got Paul back, uh, Paul. Was it? I was asking Dean this, and then and then you can finish asking your questions, Paul. Uh-huh. Uh, was there anything else on the depth chart that you that, that either of you saw that was surprising or that made you excited? What do you guys think? I think first of all, that depth chart came. I think you and I talked about it all summer when we thought we were going to have a normal kickoff. As I think that's pretty much pretty close to what you and I had talked about all summer on our podcast. You're right. You're right. We hit we we hit the nail on the head with who the 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 uh, who the 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 maybe not the two deeps. The thing that did the the one thing that we did get wrong was John Wagner, or at least I got wrong. Um, and you know, if John Wagner is better on the inside, then uh. You know, Iowa knows better than any other coaching staff 
uh, where a guy will be better. And you know what? It sounds – and who knows? Maybe John – maybe this is just something for this year that that maybe Zach Van Valkenburg is so – good it is so good that that they, that they need to start him but also John Wagner is so good that they need to find a spot to get him reps on the field maybe it's something like that that is something that still su- surprised me um and I'm excited to see the development of uh Chauncey Golson I really am so uh quick question for you guys and I'll, I have my answer right now uh, Outside of the quarterback position, because that's always the most important position on the field, what what position, what guy do you think needs to have a big game for Iowa for them to win against Purdue? Okay, for me, um, collectively as ahead, a whole, whole, the whole offensive line, they have okay. to. They have to protect. They have to protect our quarterback, and they've got to open up holes for our running backs. Because if our running backs can get through those holes, they'll do the rest on their own. So that's where I'm at right now, the offensive line. What do you guys think? It, I I agree. If I could have answered the entire O-line, I would. <laughs> but a one single player, you know, you could go like Dane Belton or Matt Hankins, Julius Brents, Riley Moss. By the way, Dane Belton being able to play safety and um, uh, in the slot allows Julius Brents – to get on the field more, which is good. The top three um, uh, corners that Iowa has. And what a story Terry Roberts has been. Another find out of Pennsylvania. I love that. But the but the one player I would choose is Tyler Goodson. I've said this many times, 100%. Iowa has great seasons when they have above-average running games. And if Iowa can run the football down Purdue's throat, Purdue is in trouble. And I agree. And, and you know, it's really interesting that you guys went offense because I'm, uh, or, or I'm actually going defense, and I'm actually kind of going almost uh, 180 from Nolan. So this is cool. I'm going Jack Campbell. I think he has to have a big game. Like it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if Purdue is able to to run the football, then look out because uh, they've got to get if they're gonna. If they're going to be able to get to, uh, you know, Plum or whoever the quarterback's going to be, they've got to get them in predictable passing situations. Uh, and, you know, if, if Purdue can be balanced, if they can run the football, uh, we already know that they're really uber talented on the outside. Uh, so if Iowa can't stop the run, then then Katie bar the door. And, and so for me, my the player that has to come up big uh, is going to be Jack Campbell in the middle. Okay. Well, it, I I like that pick a lot. I don't think that if Iowa can't stop the run game, which by the way would absolutely shock me, considering Davion Nixon, NFL talent, Jack Heflin, All American, uh, Austin Schultz, uh, great story, another senior that has has waited his turn to play. Um, uh, Zach Van Volkenberg. I think this defensive line will will be fine, but I think you're right. Uh, this is a huge game for Campbell. But let's say that that Iowa can't stop the run game. This is the one season where Iowa can go uh, can go score for score with the team now that they have the offensive pieces that they have. So it doesn't necessarily con- – it, it concerns me 
but it wouldn't concern me as much as maybe last year or the year before, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, one last thing here, um, as we kind of get this wrapped up, you know, we, we kind of, we, we were, uh, we're a little remiss. We haven't even brought up Rondale Moore. Uh, we hadn't even brought up the, the other receivers name. I'm forgetting at the moment. Uh, David Bell. David Bell. Bell. Yeah. Uh, we did on uh, on uh, Sunday's podcast. We're going to do it on Wednesday too. But uh, it, I have a question: Is this the year of the uh, of the wide receiver in the Big Ten? Is this seems the, like it, doesn't it? <laughs> is this the best group of wide receivers the conference has had, uh, and I, maybe ever? Is you know? That's a, ooh, I don't know. I mean. They've silently been really good at the wide. I mean, Penn State's had, I mean, wide receivers at nauseum. Uh, Ohio State has as well. Um, is it SEC caliber? No. But as a conference, I mean, last year, Minnesota had Tyler Johnson, you know. Yes. So, um, it, it, as a whole, you know what, Paul, you, you have an argument to be made. I, I, I don't know enough about Illinois or the other teams to, to say, but the top six teams, uh, and, and quite frankly, Wisconsin, they lost some guy, uh, their top guys at wide receiver, so I don't know about them. But, uh, but the top six teams, I would say you have a case to be made there that this may be – I'm not sure about the year of the wide receiver, but this may be the best – uh, year we've seen in a long time in the Big Ten at the wide receiver position. It might be also the the year where we act like more like a Big Twelve, <laughs> right? <laughs> Conference where we're going to put up a lot of points quickly. <laughs> well, well, just look what's I going on not. right now. I hope SEC. not. Nobody's playing any defense down down here in the South. Uh, so I noticed that is, it, I, is that is it always like that? But I get, or is it just this year? Yeah. Well, Alabama can't stop a nosebleed. Uh, I think it's just this year, and I think it's because, uh, you know, teams haven't been able to prepare. But the bottom line is this, guys. How confident do you feel in, about uh, Phil Parker being able to get his defense, especially with this talent? The talent, Guys, this is the most athletic Iowa defense uh, in a long time. Uh, and I, I, I don't know about you guys, but on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, of Phil being able to get this defense into a top 10 defense in the country, I, I feel about a 7 or an 8. I don't know about you guys. I'll go with an 8. Top 10 defense? Are we talking scoring defense or yards or what? what what's your uh... – overall, Just uh, overall defense, the, 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 the overall metric that the NCAA uses for total defense. I feel uh, that's a 10 for me uh, because Phil Parker – I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's going to have he, – you know, he, he's already come out and said, you know, uh, that he, he's – he really thinks the linebackers are are, uh, are special, and you know th there was a lot of praise for guys uh, this off season that you don't hear a lot of that publicly from from Iowa coaches and the coaching staff. It's always, uh, well, you know, if we had to play today, we'd be in big trouble. We still have a lot of work to do, and and whatever that. Those are the types of things we normally we have not heard a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, that's totally true. I the, the going back real quick. There's one more thing that I wanted to say uh, about this. Uh, the 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 you know what we talked about earlier 
is Iowa may be the only school in the country that has a black leadership council group for football. And uh, I just wanted to bring that up because that's a big deal. I mean, that's a big uh, change. And that's, you know, as well as allowing their players to have a voice. And so, you know, I think that that's going to help this season. And also in general, I think this Iowa football team is going to band together because they've heard it from all angles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think that, that the coaching staff and the players are saying, you know what, let's go out and win this, this thing. Let's go out and let's, let's just, let, let's do this thing. It's just us. It's not the outsiders. Let's get this done. And it kind of reminds me of the 2015 season, except for, you know, just it was different outside noise for going into that 2015 season. Um, but it was noise nonetheless. And so I, you know, I really think that this Iowa team is going to be together. And also I'm loving the freaking swag that this Iowa team has. I love it. Love it. I think they're going to go out and score. Uh, they're they're going to, this will probably be the highest scoring team of the Ferentz era. Uh, and if, if the defense can be uh, top 10, top 15 in the country, uh, look out, look, you know, because this is, there's nothing normal about 2020 and uh, you know, the 2020 football season, everything we've seen going on around the country. So my, my question, you know, it's a little bit rhetorical, but why not Iowa? Why not now? I get the great well point. Said. Yeah, go ahead. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I agree. Why not now? And uh, listen, I'll end on this. If Iowa can do that, uh, this this is a college football playoff caliber team, and I'm not being hyperbolic. If if they can have the one thing that they have always been missing is a scoring, uh, being able to score the football. In 2015, when they were able to score the football, that's when they were in the hunt for the college football playoff. Look for that to be the same this year. And I don't give a dang about the schedule. I really don't. No. Uh, they could they could go eight and zero in regular season and then face Ohio State at the end of the year. That's why that's what we're all hoping for. That's right, <laughs> right, right. And, and, and by the way, is anybody else as excited about this as I am that we're going to get multiple uh, Hawkeye football and Hawkeye basketball at the same time? Like you know, th- it, things that the, the sun is coming out for us, uh, you know, for us yeah. Hawkeye fans. Right. So. Hey, did you notice that the sun will come out yeah. tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Did you guys Love notice it. that the, the Gonzaga basketball game is scheduled for the exact same day as the big 10 championship? <laughs> going to be a heck yep, of a day. It is. <laughs> it is. I, uh, but I don't know what you guys think about this, but uh, I am really thinking about <laughs> writing a, um, a chronicle of the Iowa basketball season that uh, is so in depth with quotes and stuff like that, that uh, could maybe be turned into a book. I don't know what you guys think about that, but uh, uh, that, I mean, it's just, I seasons like this don't come around a lot. And uh, this Iowa basketball team is, is really loaded. And uh, I I just, I don't know. I I don't want to miss an opportunity like this. So you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, yep. guys, takes a lot of time to write the, all, all the uh, type of things needed. But we got football back, guys. We got football back, and it's looking good. 
Four days. Four more days. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys see any possible derailment to the Big Ten season? Uh, yes. Clay Travis uh, talked to um, to uh, what? who does the Fox, Joel Klatt, and they saw – they both said that they think that there's going to be a derailment in the Big Ten season. Um, I really hope not, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but it would be really sad if that happens. Dang it, we lost Paul. Yeah. But uh, it would be sad. Dean, I mean, what do you think? I think it could very easily derail. Here's the problem. I mean, we've already seen the SEC and the – Big 12 already having to postpone and move games around. We don't have that luxury. If we we can't postpone a game, if we can't play because of COVID, we don't we miss out. We're going to be game shorts. We're going to be short games. And, right. And right. so I I absolutely see some scenarios where some teams are going to not play a lot of games, and they and they have to be quarantined according to the Big Ten for 21 days. So does that take a team out for three weeks, or does it just take out certain players for three weeks? I don't know. But, yes, I, I hopefully it just takes certain players out and, 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 the, and they don't have to postpone games. Hopefully it's, it's an equal playing field for, for all teams. It, 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 if somebody gets COVID, it's just like getting an injury. It is what it is, and they play the game, and, and that's that. Hopefully that's the, what the Big Ten will do, and we'll see. Paul, any last words uh, for your podcast? What, what uh, we got? You know, just the just the normal stuff, man. Make make sure you guys always check us out on two four seven hawkeyecom Love uh, it. Check out our, our videos. Check out uh, our our live stuff from Facebook. We definitely love you guys. Uh, it's it's finally here. We are we are, this is this is what we live <laughs> for, and uh, we are so happy to be able to share in the excitement and bring you guys uh, hopefully some interesting uh, takes views uh, and uh, you know, and you know, we like to bring those facts with us. So, uh, you know, uh, which, which can mean, you know, some, some hyper uh, criticalness if required. Sure. Sure. And also I want to remind folks, uh, you know, go to uh, Twitter at two, four, seven Hawkeye and Instagram at official two, four, seven Hawkeye.com page. Uh, those two things. Uh, go ahead, Paul. Take All us right, out, buddy. Uh, as, as Nolan would would say, a hey, facts over feelings because your feelings don't matter. And uh, you know, <laughs> go Hawks. Uh, boiler down. Here we go. Go Bye, Hawks. Go Hawks. Bye. Bye.